plans are worthless, but planning is everything. General and President Dwight Eisenhower's wisdom still rings true today. The Mutual Broadcasting System presents STRAT, Strategic Risk Assessment Talk. A forum with a preparedness mindset. Mitigating risks, creating systems of prevention and recovery to deal with potential threats. And understanding the objectives of a business continuity plan. This is the podcast for leaders who are committed to being prepared. Now, here are your hosts, retired Marine Intelligence Officer and globally recognized risk expert, Hal Kempfer, and investment banking executive, Mark Mansfield. Mark, we're going to talk about making sense of maritime domain awareness. And and, and I say this as someone, I, I literally travel the world. I do this here in the United States where I talk about maritime domain awareness. I have to tell you, depending on the audience, it can get very technical because we talk about satellites, uh, synthetic capture radar, um, you know, sea patrols, drones, all sorts of things. So it gets to that technical side. But what we're talking about here is really from a strategic planning process is thinking about maritime domain, thinking about shipping, thinking about the choke points around the world, thinking about all these different factors it is surprising how much we are dependent on these maritime sea lanes, if you will, these these chains of uh, of su- you know, supply chains, but also lines of communication. Yet, many businesses, even governments, don't take this into consideration. And and if I may, there's a term we use for for countries, but it also applies here. We call it sea blindness, which is they don't see the sea and what that means to their business model. Yeah, so the, the, uh, this is uh, I completely agree, and as uh, a Navy ROTC guy, this is uh, a great one to float by me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, that's so lame, I know. It's near and dear to to my heart. Um, yes, to, to your terms of you know, you've heard, some of you may have heard our podcast on um, strategic supply chains. Well, th- that's obviously very maritime uh, dependent, uh, so we we can revisit that later. But also. Uh, entrenched in that is the direct and implied security that the maritime presence represents to not just the protection of of peoples but also to the uh you know the protection of of commerce oh and that's and by the way just so everybody knows you and i get into you know corporate wargaming strategize uh, strategy sessions strategizing if you will uh, but we also work a lot, you know, obviously you're a, a, a former Navy surface warfare officer, you know, uh, you're a Naval officer. Uh, I'm a Marine, which is, uh, we always say the Navy, where the reason <laughs> you're there is to give us a ride. But uh, uh, but but I go around the world working maritime uh, security issues, maritime domain issues. So this can get to be a very complicated subject. It can get very, you know, depending on who the audience is, we can get into it. But we're going to try and keep this kind of at a strategic level and talk about some of the considerations that should be brought into business decisions, continuity of operations, planning across the board, you know, mitigating risk, all these things that are where where sea lanes, 
uh, maritime commerce is absolutely essential to keeping things going to staying in business. Yeah, and, and two two quick points to anybody listening to this. Uh, one is that some of the points covered here, we are going to we'll, we'll it will conclude on this, but we are going to make available uh, resources for uh, uh, a choke point analysis, so you can focus on our conversation. Uh, but but that will be available too. We give you direction to that. Also, we're going to expand on this in a future podcast where we're bringing in a, a very special guest, a global leader in port and um, maritime security uh, in, in all the commercial venues. But uh, just be aware of that, and we'll, we'll give you more information as we wind down. Well, let's, uh, let's head off to sea then, all right? <laughs> uh, one of the things, you know, it's interesting we talk about in, in all of our podcasts, uh, it, it comes up with strategic competition, you know, uh, you could say that the 90s and the O's, even into the early teens, was a time of strategic cooperation. It was the end of the Cold War. Uh, former foes were now friends. China, had, had even before the end of the Cold War, had made a strategic pivot to working within the global economy, to, to using all the resources of, dare I say, capitalism and free trade in order to expand its economy greatly. And, and working within that system in Russia appeared to have made a big turn, obviously, uh, working with uh, global finance, global uh, commercial uh, uh, metrics, if you will, in terms of how they did stuff. And now things have changed dramatically. You know, Russia is a pariah state, not unlike what North Korea uh, has been for very long, uh, invading Ukraine, unifying the European Union, unifying uh, NATO, obviously, and unifying the world in ways we haven't seen. China is doing the same thing with its ongoing, uh, not just threats to Taiwan, but a lot of people miss this claim that China has in the South China right. Sea, the right. Nine Dash Line, where they essentially they claim the South China Sea to include other countries' uh, exclusive economic zones as Chinese waters, and this inherently sets up instability, confrontation conflict in the system which impedes vital sea lanes which deals with maritime commerce right absolutely so so the inflection points you just referenced whether it was the supply chain uh reconstitution post-covid and then layered that on with the the, the russian ish, russia issue and then the alliance and china's uh uh ascendancy uh and dominance in 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 the china sea uh th this has really changed the transport infrastructure now another concept to lay in on this is is the fact of ghost fleets what's what's happened in addition to what we're looking at and policing in a maritime environment for for business and safety is uh that the established uh conduct of the sea but now we're dealing and i know you're an expert in this as well is the basically the establishment of pirate fleets uh uh goods and services being uh shipped with through ghost fleets the uh, introduction of technology for tracking but then identification systems being shut down to facilitate this legal illegal transportation uh which is creating a great de deal of complication and risk to risk mitigation within our our uh, our maritime transport infrastructure you know there's there's all sorts of things that deal with the maritime domain and being aware of what's out there you know there's the coal regs that deal with uh trying to uh, mitigate potential collisions at sea. Uh, there's there's search and rescue. Uh, basically, the world is carved up uh, across the entire world with countries responsible for certain areas of search and rescue. 
and of course the commercial sector deals with that because if you're a, if you're at sea and there is something where you need to go in and provide assistance there is an expectation that you'll do so but with that we have ghost fleets those who have turned off their ais or automated identification yes, system yeah, yeah. by which we track large commercial carriers around the world uh other things they've done to avoid stuff but with that there's also other things that we need to be aware of commercial satellites and what's fascinating and this is one of the things changing the maritime domain and i'm not saying everybody needs to go out there and suddenly become a maritime domain awareness expert or a maritime intelligence expert but just be aware they need to be working with their government authorities in the maritime domain to be more aware of some of these impacts because there's stuff out there with with you know uh op electro optical visualization tools uh, but also synthetic aperture radar, radar where we can actually visualize, see the sea around the world. And that has impact. If you've got a carrier uh, of cars and they've got 4,000 cars in it and you're the automotive company that's relying on those cars showing up, you want to make sure that that ship shows up. And this isn't an oh, by the way, this is something that's critical to your business model. And so you want to make sure these sea lanes are actually operating well, and you want to make sure that you plan that in, in your risk mitigation, you know, strategy, if you will, to make sure you're not taking undue risks in terms of your supply chain. Yeah, and that, that, that's an excellent segue to a point that we've stressed thematically in earlier podcasts, which is basically the role of the growing role of insurance and actuarial tables in, in the business. So uh, within the maritime transport segment, uh, wh whether it's because of weather, the, the ghost fleets, uh, war, there, there's been you know uh, an increase in hazards. And consequently, some would argue, or the insurance companies would argue, claims inflation. Uh -huh. So that's going to be from, now we're bringing it home for decision planning. Uh, that's going to be a relevant consideration in terms of, of your pricing and your tracking, to, to, to Hal's point. The other element, too, to consider is, um, you know, we, you've heard us discuss the supply chains. Well, certainly with the nearshoring or shortening of supply chains, that will have an impact on your maritime considerations. And it does play, too, where we believe the, the increased regionalism with Fortress North America. Uh, will, will there be shifts? less of a dependence on, on maritime to a point in certain elements of components with, with China or, or not. Now, we're seeing our ports come back, LA and so, so forth, uh, post-COVID to pretty much back back to stride and, and um, efficient integration. But that's, that's critical for the offloading and onboarding within our, our manufacturing region, again, uh, of, of Forestress North America for goods coming in, goods going out. By the way, uh when you say efficient onloading and offloading with the L.A. Long Beach port, I find myself smiling a little bit. That's been a point of contention, oh, which is the, 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 the lackluster integration of automation and automating that port. It is not one of the more, let's just say, more advanced ports in the world, even though it's a huge port. It's the largest port in, oh, well, that's going back and forth with New York, but it's the largest port in North, seaport commercial seaport in North America, but that's another issue. That's for another podcast. Yeah, that's for that another discussion. Yeah. But what I do want to point out is there are places, you know, we saw this with the blockage of the Suez Canal, uh, where uh, and we've talked about this in another podcast, where the Suez Canal got blocked for several days, causing shippers to think about re rerouting their shipping all over the world and, and, and suddenly recognizing the vulnerability of that choke point uh, we're seeing it now with Panama. 
And that's caused primarily by, we could say weather, but climate change. In fact, I, as you may recall, I was stationed in Panama for some time. I've worked in the canal zone for, for, for months, uh, doing a variety of different things. You know, I would, I would sit there in the middle of the jungle. It was very strange. You'd be sitting there in the middle of the jungle and it'd be all green. And then you'd see this, the, uh, the superstructure of a large container ship going by in the jungle and it just had a kind of a strange optical illusion effect Surreal, which is yeah. how is that yeah. happening yeah. Yeah. but uh but with that uh you realize these vital choke points of course their problem there is fresh water they just haven't had the rain that supports the fresh water to fill the lakes it allows the canal uh the canal to operate efficiently that's a big problem and these are all things that have to be taken in consideration when you're trying to mitigate your risk because your entire your entire supply chain may be based and your pricing everything else is based on you can use the suez canal you can use the panama canal but these are key choke points uh which through a variety of things which could be accident weather climate whatever could suddenly be cut cut off and of course there's other things we're looking at war conflict things like that being another factor with with shutting these things down so to maintain the continuity in in, in our in our podcast you've heard us discuss esg environmental social governance issues that that is inevitably making its way into maritime considerations as well what does that mean well there, there's basically obviously a focus on on reducing the carbon imprint uh imprint associated with this mode of transportation bringing it home as a business planner there will be impacts and pricing as well as availability shifts to larger ships that are more efficient more uh, in, in terms of and and with increased levels of technology to ultimately uh, reduce environmental impact this is going to be factored into your investment strategy it's going to be factored into to your pricing models uh, in terms of distribution and sourcing and and by the way there's a term that's used it's called panamax which is the maximum size of a ship that can go through the panama canal right and i gotta tell you a lot of these ships uh there aren't that many ports this also gets into other vulnerabilities that we've looked at which is they have some of these huge super container ships that are they're uh, they're floating they can literally only go to a few ports around the world because of their 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 sheer size and then another issue is the number of ports and maybe that's one we save where we talk to uh, uh our expert in port security but there aren't that many ports that can handle this stuff you know a lot of things like los angeles long beach is a huge port san francisco it's a significant port but it's not the port it used to be no and 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 the navy pulled out of there completely years ago so there's none of that navy navy uh uh you know wharfs or anything else that they could possibly use for any other purpose uh so that's kind of gone by the wayside so you end up looking at some of the port structure and you realize we have a very limited supply of ports capable of handling all this increased commerce and then we're getting into sea lanes and that's another thing where you see in these maritime highways okay so there's uh there's one it's interesting and this will be just a, a glancing reference because we've covered it before but you know with the importance of ports for extraction of of of, of goods and services it's part of the belt and road initiative of now 30 percent of the ports in in uh, europe are, have some exposure to Chinese investment, so that's that's, that's really an interesting development that is is going to play out. The other thing we want to talk about quickly, of limited time now, is is the melting of the polar ice caps. That's creating a whole new transit route for for the goods and services with uh, 
the uh, uh, North Sea Route, uh, which, which Russia claims, and then the Northwest Passage, which Canada claims uh, through the Canadian Arctic, although there is some within our alliance, the U.S. has still mixed feelings about that outright claim, ca- Canadian claim. But what does that mean? It means that we are rapidly seeing um, opportunity for, for goods and transport in that maritime um, conduct- conductivity. But it's also meaning that there's claims to natural resources. It's attracting China. It's attracting Russia. We've got the U.S., Canada, and European powers all up there now focusing on on the Arctic and and the North. It's going to have some real uh, go-forth geopolitical and commercial considerations in the maritime environment. What I would say is, in terms of continuity of operations planning, whether you're a corporation, whether you're a government, you need to be looking at sea lanes. You need to be aware of the maritime domain. You need to be looking at climate change. You need to be looking at natural disasters. You need to be looking at possibilities of war. You need to be looking at some of these key choke points, you know, around the world. I was just over at the uh, Bab el-Mandab, which is between the, the, the Gulf of Aden and the Red Sea. Critical choke point right across the water from us, Houthi rebels who have been doing maritime terrorism. You know, if you go to the south, Somalia, there was uh, a lot of piracy going on there for quite some time, taking, you know, basically going out there and, and taking hostage, if you will, large container ships and others. Uh, and then, of course, around the world, you look at, you know, the Straits of Malacca, which is a very busy sea lane. I was flying over that recently, looked down, you just, you see ships just going through it like a, like a freeway going through that thing because it's so so busy and then you see the turkish straits with the black sea issues all these things you know you just mentioned uh the northwest passage and of course the bering straits and the importance of that you need to be looking in continuity of operations planning at the sea looking at these choke points looking at these sea lanes considering all the factors man-made to include war terrorism piracy and natural climate change things like that and factor that in, how do we maintain our operations if? And, and, what are and, our contingencies? And, and again, uh, you, you'll never have a complete solution for every scenario. But, but what, we again, we encourage is we'll give you the tools and you can be directionally correct. This is not uh, a political and geography lesson uh, just for the sake of it. This is very real to, to planning. It's very real to future dynamics in Fortress North America. Uh, what we call a CPA, we'll give it a whole new name, our, our, our choke point analysis that will be available uh, to you. Hal's going to give you the uh, location, direct traffic, so you can ex- access that. And then we'll have additional information as to um, our, our, our speaker in terms of port and maritime security coming up uh, on our, one of our next podcasts. Uh, you know, our resource center is always, if you go to gripsa.com, or gripsa.com, that's G-R-I-P-S-A dot com. That's our website. Uh, This gets into a lot of different topics, and uh, we do stuff with corporations, uh, with governments, uh, with navies, coast guards, port authorities, you name it, all around the world working in this. And and it's it's something that everybody needs to consider because, frankly, global commerce goes upon the seas and it impacts all of us and one point we we made earlier is that you know we are in an area of uh industrial policy uh so there is going there's a significant venn diagram between private business and now you know public policy and in terms of managing that uh the boots on the ground experience is critical as well as as i keep coming back to 
um, the investment banking expertise in, in uh, synthetically or organically managing what you uh, need to do to be directionally correct. Absolutely. Strat, Strategic Risk Assessment Talk with Hal Kemper and Mark Mansfield. Podcast weekly from the Mutual Broadcasting System.